Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Pretty good hockey game tonight. It was exciting right to the end, right to the Ten, end. Tense and exciting, eh? Yeah, it was tense. Can't win them all, Bruce. The Oilers' 16-game um, winning streak comes to an end with a 3-1 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. It was um, a 2-1 game until the last seconds when Vegas got an empty net goal. The Oilers had 16 grade-A shots. Vegas had seven. The subset of five alarm shots were eight to four, with Edmonton having eight and Vegas four. So it, it was a night when uh, Vegas, just to sum up quickly, Vegas had the better goaltending, and they had yep. they had the better puck luck as well. It wasn't just, I mean, I don't think, in saying that Vegas had the better goaltending, I don't think Stuart Skinner was bad in this game. Both yep. goals came on screen, screen shots. Mm-hmm. So um, those are tough plays for any goalie, and he was fine. But Hill uh, got – he was good, and he was lucky, and uh, he uh, stole that game for his team uh, as, a regard, <laughs> as a result. Um, yeah, as soon as Vegas got ahead, I was like, uh-oh, because Hill just tough. made a fantastic save just seconds before the go-ahead goal, and then they made several more down the stretch. And- and they have the most, uh, what, who I think is the most underrated player in the NHL, Alec Martinez. Mm-hmm. He is a brilliant defensive defenseman. He was he was unbelievably good against the Oilers uh, in the playoffs last year. He didn't allow he didn't allow a, hardly a sniff when he was on the ice, Bruce. He is a fantastic mm-hmm. hockey player. Now I'd have to look closely tonight. Um, I, I noticed him making a few good plays, but he might have been roasted on a few plays. I'm not exactly sure, but man, that guy's a good hockey player. So, Bruce, uh, this is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers podcast with one conundrum thrown in there. We'll have to think about what the conundrum might be. I haven't even thought of that. So, uh, we'll we'll wing it. What's your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, slightly off the board in a sense, but I, I really like the play of the new look uh, third line with uh, Ryan McLeod between Dylan Holloway and Corey <clears throat> Perry. And they kept catching my eye with uh, with some really good sequences of play. And right from the, the very first shift, there was one where uh, Perry was kind of leading the play. He took a long pass and he got the puck into the zone and he didn't try and drive to the net with it. He just sort of pulled up along the sidewall and he waited for his line mates to pour over the boards. And then he just rang a nice pass around the boards into the spot where Dylan Holloway was probably going to win the race and win the puck, which is exactly what he did. And I just thought the puck placement and it's just, you know, good smart play. And they had they had a few sequences. There was one really nice sort of sort of lengthy sequence between the two fast guys, uh, McLeod and uh, Holloway, that ended up with a, with a pretty good chance. Uh, there was one where Perry made a uh, behind-the-back pass out into the front of the net uh, that led to a great chance. I think that was the one where McLeod's shot was deflected away by one of the Nicholas Hag. Nicholas Hag, yeah. Man, that guy drives me nuts. He's so good. 
They have and, some really yeah. good defensemen on that team. It's, it's like, the strength of the Vegas team. Mm-hmm. There's like a stick in every stinking lane, whether it's a passing or a shooting lane. There's a friggin' stick there. Even if there's nobody around, all of a sudden the puck's going through and there's a stick tipping it out of danger. <clears throat> Grr. Anyway, uh, I, I I just like the, the combination, the... The speed, the speed, and the savvy of <laughs> the three guys. Because two, the two of them are real burners, eh, McLeod? And there was also another play McLeod made in the first period. This was really s- subtle and sweet. He was coming in through the neutral zone, and an oiler was clearing the zone, I think, on the other side. And by all the world, it looked like he was just going to dump the puck in on his backhand deep into the zone. I was completely convinced this is just a straight dump in. And instead, he held the puck, and as he crossed the blue line, he suddenly, on his forehand, just made a short little pass to the guy steaming up the boards behind him, probably Perry. And I just was by McLeod, and I think, geez, that's a subtle, smart, sort of aggressively offensive play, of, you know, keeping hold of the puck and... and uh, and making a more direct play with it. And I, I just saw a number of positives from those guys and uh, uh, not a whole lot of trouble. I'll use um, uh, McLeod as my proxy for shots, 18 to 8 in attempts, 11 to 3 in unblocked attempts, 6 to 3 in shots on goal. So, you know, they had the puck in the Vegas end the whole way. And for uh, for Perry and... and uh, Holloway, sort of reflections of that, you know, a uh, uh, Corsi of 14 to 3 for Holloway, for, for instance. So they had, you know, doing the, they got no goals to show for it. Hell, there were hardly any goals to be had in this game. And I've noticed the league is really tightening up this last while. And the game sums out of town scoreboard tonight. They're all 3 1, 3 0, 2 1. And they've been that way for a while, and we saw one. It's damn hard to score in this league. Uh, but those guys did a lot of good things, and I think that line has a lot of good potential. Yeah, this is my first full game that I watched. Corey Perry watched the course, his, uh, yeah, right. highlights last game. And I just was really impressed with his uh, just how he's always in position, making the smart play. He is a very solid, my first impression, is a solid defensive player. Um, who knows, um, he uses his head out there. He doesn't get out of position by overcommitting or charging up the ice, blowing the zone. I mean, I I think if you gave Kevin BX a truth serum, he would go on and on and on about how the orders have blown it in the last few years with shoddy, stupid defensive play. And, you know, it, I think he... he that Anaheim team that Bjexson was on, that Corey Perry was on, um, they really knew how to play defensive hockey. They were expert at it. It's how they won games. And that's veteran NHL players figure it out. It's taken the orders a long time to figure it out. But they're they're getting there if they're not there. And Perry just, he adds to it. He helps it. And I just can't see how he won't help these two players. Mm-hmm. Um, both in terms of their defensive responsibility but also their offensive acumen by being such a smart player if he's able to communicate what he knows to them because i just with with them it's just a matter of confidence and uh savvy in terms of scoring scoring more putting up more points that goal would have been great from that line and they came so close on that play where perry put it up front it went off holloway passed it over 
and uh, McLeod almost scored, but Nicholas Haig made a fantastic, yeah. fantastic play. The goalie was out of it. That go- that was going in the net. Yeah. But um, they're just so they're so close, um, and they have, and you can see the confidence in Ryan McLeod. He's really yeah. carrying the puck. You can see the confidence in Dylan Holiday. So these these guys have that confidence now mm-hmm. um, to try to make plays and uh, carry the puck up the ice. They both look fantastic in moments carrying that puck. And I think they're going to start making some scoring plays. Um, I would have liked to see Corey Perry on the ice at the end of the game in the last minute because I think, uh, you know, they have Kane out there. He's They're similar players. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder... Anyway, I would have liked to see Corey Perry, but I understand that they can't do that. Kane's, or, you know, he's been on the team yeah. all year. You can't suddenly inject Corey Perry in there. But um, Kane had a good game tomorrow. Evander Kane did have a good game, and man, he was good that uh, that was game. close to a penalty shot when um, DeHarnay set him up with a great yeah. pass in the uh, second period. Kane went in and just yeah. he was about to make his deke, and he got hacked. I mean, it's it's a last second breakaway, mm-hmm. but in that moment, it's a breakaway. And it's well, when a, Chicago did it, they got a shot on net and a penalty shot, and Edmonton got neither. Yeah, I would have. I think a penalty um, shot might have been in order there. It wouldn't have been. It would have been uh, outrageous. As it but is, Kane I was, mean, we the Oilers actually got a power play. So yes, they did. That was fantastic. They actually called one on that play. It was, you know, that was their one minute and thirty-two seconds to shine tonight. It was a one truncated power play they got with. Uh, you know, cut short by penalty. They got three shots on that power play, and they came very, very close. Well, Bouchard put and it off the post, right? Then they, and, yeah, and Hyman and that, got a great that shot. One of, that wasn't one of the shots. And Drysdale yeah. had, anyway, it was, uh, the refs weren't going to give him any looks tonight. And that's kind of what goes back to what we saw in the playoffs last year. Still bitter about one power play opportunity in the elimination game. I can see that, Bruce. When Ekholm is gushing blood, you know that game? So, I remember these things. They're I know you grudges. do. I'm, I'm glad I'm I have no not idea who the referee. refs were. I have no idea who the refs even were. They were just <laughs> all I know is they were wearing stripes and they missed the calls. <laughs> so they missed a couple tonight. Leon got got high sticked in a much more serious manner than the high stick they did call on uh, uh, Fogel early in the game, where he sort of got. Who was it in the chest? Marcia snapped his head back. Marcia so. Yeah, he got yeah. the old Pepe Lemieux head snap. He got the call, and Leon didn't do that when he got the high stick under the visor and nothing. Yeah. Bruce, my good thing was one particular play by Connor McDavid, who had a spectacular game in a lot of ways, S- scored a brilliant goal. But um, the play that really uh, caught my attention, Bruce was his back check in the second period. Third period. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the second period, Bruce. Yeah, it was, no, it was, in, the, it was in the third. Okay, when... Isn't it the one... It, I'm looking at the scoring chance document, 9.57 of the second period. Uh, McDavid... Oh, you're right, that's the high... Okay, you are correct. That was a different one. That was the... I'm looking at the one where Dreisaitl put it off Hill's... Yeah. Um, McDavid came around the night. You're right. Third period, mm-hmm. 749 of the third period. Thank you for correcting me. Mm-hmm. Um, where just a fantastic back check by McDavid, a hustle play. Vegas is breaking in three on two. They're looking like they're going to have a fantastic shot 
it seemed like they scored on every one of their fantastic shots tonight. So it was a very scary moment. And it was just after, well, it wasn't, it was about, it was Vegas had scored to get ahead in the game. So Edmonton could not give up another goal. And McDavid came charging back into his own zone and got his uh, stick on the pass um, or stick on the stick of the, of the puck heading to the slot um, for a Vegas shooter. It was a really great uh, hustle play. It wasn't unusual. All night long, the Oilers were back-checking like demons out there. They were, they were, um, they were really strong defensively, except for mm-hmm. a couple breakdowns. And um, the play then went the other way. And um, Hyman, uh, I think it was, was it Hyman that set up Drysaddle? Yeah, it Hyman. Was Drysaddle to Hyman, back to Drysaddle. Yeah, and Drysaddle. And he Drysaddle got a one really, right inside the post. He got a really good shot, but he wasn't. He couldn't get quite all of it because it was he was he was just leaning the wrong way on the shot a little bit, so it was a really great shot because it's dry subtle and he can get off good shots even when he's unbalanced and rushing in, but it wasn't his like triple A, you know, uh, one timer. It was a hell of a shot. It was a good save. If he could have got it up, he would have scored. But it was just a bang bang play. It was a fantastic play, but it's all kicked off by McDavid, and Bruce. This game, I thought um, the Oilers could win this game if they gave up fewer than 10 grade a shots 10 or less grade grade a shots this game i wrote earlier today i thought they'd win and they succeeded in doing that they only gave up seven in the in Knobloch's time as coach they've been giving up uh before tonight in the 32 games 10.7 grade a shots per game that's about two grade a shots per game less than we saw generally saw in the woodcroft era they have been outstanding on defense. They have they uh, you know picked up their defensive um, habits, and uh, part of it is is back checking like crazy. And I just thought that play epitomized that approach that we're seeing from the Oilers tonight. I thought the Edmonton even in a close game against Vegas, you know, last year might have had a bit of a sinking feeling, especially in the playoffs when they gave up six. You know, every time they lost, they gave up the lead. So. They they did it tonight, but it was different. I just felt I just felt like the Oilers were the better team, and um, yeah, they did. You're right. They they did it again. You could you, it could be that's the fact of the matter. But I thought the Oilers were could have easily won this game. They weren't giving up much um, at any point in the game, and Vegas had very opportunity opportunistic scoring, and that was the difference. It wasn't a matter of Edmonton caving in like last oh. year when they gave up the leads. They caved in. They, 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 Vegas started to outplay them considerably. Edmonton started to make stupid mistakes and they gave up goals. That wasn't the story of tonight's game. Edmonton played a really smart, disciplined game. They just, uh, they didn't get the, the big save when they needed and they didn't get the goal when they needed. And that, that happens in hockey, even when you have a 16 to seven advantage in grade A shots. Yeah, well, yeah, they had, according to Natural Statric, 18 to 9 in high danger chances, so very close to our figures for the Oilers. And they had uh, expected goals of 3.7 to 2.7. So Skinner actually did better than expected, but Aiden Hill did a whole lot better than expected and was the difference. Like he, he was expected to give in essentially four goals and he let in one. That's that's and that's what I saw as well. Oh, that was that was the game. So, it was I thought it was like a four-two game for the Oilers, mm-hmm. but it didn't turn out to be that way. And that's what happens in hockey. On the subject of back checks, I just also a stick tap to 
Uh, well, Darnell Nurse made one sensational back check where somehow they didn't call him for a penalty where he came back and stripped the guy of the puck on what appeared to be a breakaway. And after the McDavid back check, like just in the last few minutes when the orders were pressing, Dreisaitl came all the way back to foil a, a great scoring chance. It didn't lead to one the other way as McDavid's had, but as a defensive play, it was equally eye-popping. And then Warren Fogle, the play he made with the goalie out oh, to geez. come all the way back and deflect play. Carlson's shot into the netting. That was a fantastic emergency defensive play. So you can't say the Oilers went down uh, without a fight. Unfortunately, what they couldn't do was get the puck through. And in the end, they couldn't even get a point shot through to the front of the net. The shots were all getting knocked down by by Stone. Oh, uh, yeah. Fire. There was a play in the last minute where Leon had the puck. Yeah, I thought he just should have put it over to Bouchard, who's... Uh, anyway. Who couldn't get one through all night either. So oh, that's fair know. enough. Yeah. What's your bad uh, thing? Yeah, well, I know what yours is going to be, so I'm going to take the other one, the first goal, late in the first period. And the Oilers have gotten this early lead. It was just, what, 4.35 into the first period that they scored a shorthanded goal. And... Uh, Looked like they might nurse the one nothing lead to the end of the first period, but there was just a, a really small breakdown, and it was just one of those nitty gritty hockey things is what really made the difference on this play. Uh, and you know, Hyman came back with the guy um, that was bursting into the zone, but he couldn't quite pre- prevent the puck coming spurting back to the point man, and McDavid wasn't quite in position to get into the shooting lane not being the the winger that's usually covering the the point man and the point man shot came through and on a normal circumstance i expect skinner to have it and freeze it against his body but what happened was this guy uh nicholas roy for uh Roy for um for uh vegas uh he does this real subtle thing that uh uh, as the shot was coming in from the point, he, he was, he, uh, Matthias Ekholm was in front of him, fronting the shot, and he just gave Ekholm a little bit of a cross-check in the back. Nothing illegal, just, you know, just hockey jostling, but he accomplished two things, one of which was he pushed Ekholm right into the lane of the shot, so it's, Skinner didn't have a good sight line of it. And secondly, Roy opened up just enough space between himself and Ekholm that when the rebound did spill out, uh, Raw was able to gobble it up and pump it into the net before Ekholm was able to to take him out of the play. So not a whole lot bad from Edmonton, really. It was just this this, this little, you know, they got out vetted. Three little (laughs) lost battles in a row. I I actually like the Hyman lost battle the least. Mm -hmm. I thought Hyman should have done better on that battle, letting the guy into the slot like he did. Um, it just seemed like that was the one where things started to come unhinged and maybe there could have been a little bit better defensive effort on that one. The You're right, Ra made a, Ra made a very nice play. Um, and, um, you know, it's a Californian, as we call them, these outside shots that hit the right. goalie and they get batted in the net. And this is a uh, good team score them. They score those kinds of goals. It would have been nice for the Oilers to get a goal like that tonight. They needed a goal mm-hmm. like that, Bruce. Yeah. And, um, Good for Vegas. It was a fantastic greasy goal. It would have like every they just teams love scoring those kinds of greasy goals. And Skinner was screened on it. And again, he was screened on the second goal. But the second goal, I think, was a much more kind of egregious 
sequence of pain. It um, it starts out of nothing. Nurse is battling in the corner with the guy, and it looks like Nurse has won the battle and sealed off the attacker. But he, in the end, he lost the battle. The, Somehow, the player, yeah, he just you know, Darnell let up for a second. He couldn't or deal with by, the puck, and the and the guy got, followed through and got the puck. Somehow. Yeah, maybe Darnell got grabbed a little, and you know, it was just one of those battles, and he lost. He he lost the battle, but it's still not a problem. Bruce. It's behind the net. It's not a no. goal. It's just a yeah. puck battle lost in the corner. Mm-hmm. And then Cody Cece loses the first of two battles, which I thought this was maybe all the people who want to trade Cody Cece out of town. This will be exhibit A and they're in there. I'm sure uh, he's all over Twitter. It was not a good play by Cody Cece. And, and you know, we I tend to like the player and, and speak well of him. I don't often bring him up as a bad thing in a game. But, man, he lost he two battles in this sequence. The first behind the net. And that was the worst battle because he just seemed – he just seemed like he wasn't ready to engage and he got and he got beat and because he got beat cleanly behind the net the the Vegas player was looking like he was going to come right out in front so that forced Warren Fogel to come down low if <clears throat> and and I don't think he had a choice because I mean in theory like if he was a very experienced defender he might have kept on the slot and think okay goalie will take the shooter and I'll take the guy in the high slot I'll keep with my man that would probably have been the better play, but mm-hmm. it is a guy coming wide out, you know, and he has a chance to stop him. So I can see why Warren Fogel is lured down there and the Vegas player passes it past Fogel into the, yeah. <clears throat> into the slot area. And then who comes out, but Cody Cece kind of coasts out front and just in time to screen Stuart Skinner on the shot, which rifles into the top corner of the net. So two, um, Bad two mistakes by CC. I mean, the block shot just got by him, but the the battle behind the net, he's got to win. He's a veteran defenseman, <clears throat> defensive defenseman. This is how he gets his money. Mm-hmm. This is how he makes his money, and he didn't do it. Short side shot. A Skinner pulled off the post a little bit. Jack Michaels spent much of the game, uh, several times throughout the game, saying that Aiden Hill was pulling off the post, and he wondered if that might be a um, factor and later in the game and it was but it was the, <laughs> it wasn't that goalie it was the other goalie just pulled off a little bit and stevenson made a very good quick shot right up under the crossbar and uh and beat skinner over the blocker and short side that was all she wrote i love a shot tiny, tiny mistakes by i uh, basically all four of the guys that we we're talking about there <clears throat> Tiny mistakes, and that's the margins of hockey sometimes. And when Vegas makes tiny mistake mistakes, the hit the post. I'm going to say CC's behind the net was a okay. big mistake. Okay, he's got to have that play. Like you just seal him off, do whatever it takes. Don't let that guy come out with the puck. You know, get beat cleanly out of the corner. That's a big mistake. Okay. Um, but the other ones, I'll I'll agree with you on Nurse and Fogel and Skinner. I didn't really mm-hmm. see Skinner. I mean, it's just a that's a tough play yep need a save didn't get it you know yeah. it was that kind of game where where there was going to be one play where one of the teams needed to save and didn't get it and that was the play and that was the same play that Aiden Hill about 20 seconds earlier made a fantastic save off of Evander Kane who was set up by Drysaddle right in front and uh, and uh, and Hill was able oh, yeah. to stuff that, come across and stuff that. And then uh, the puck went on the neutral zone. <clears throat> and, 
and was kind of muddled around for a bit. Drysaddle got in neutral zone. He got tripped. That didn't get noticed. And then the puck came back into uh, uh, Edmonton territory and it looked like Nurse, like Nurse, who won a huge number of battles in this game and played a really strong game for the most he part. Did. Yeah. And yet here he is getting victimized on a winning goal on a play where it looked like he was in command. And somehow, you know, he he blocked the guy out, had the puck, but really didn't do enough with it. And the guy just kept coming and he wound up bamboozling both Nurse and Cece basically behind the net. Bruce, what is your number? And I'll and I'll be I gotta go for a second. I gotta get my my power cord here. I'm gonna lose power. So just so you can <laughs> Fill us in that. on what your number is. I'll be back sure. in a Okay. Uh, my number is, I'm looking at, at uh, Evan Bouchard's entire line of numbers from this game. And Bouchard played 25 minutes and 20 seconds, most, uh, most on either team, I do believe. And he had zero shots on net. Uh, one missed shot, which was an absolute rocket of a slap shot on the power play that hit the inside of the goalpost and came screaming out uh, almost straight across the line and out into the other corner. Uh, so that was a great shot. But he was just a little bit sluggish. I, I think it's fair to... To, to call Bouchard's puck handling tonight a little bit sluggish, especially on the offensive blue line. He was just having trouble making clean and quick enough plays against the way Vegas was checking. So the other four of his five shot attempts were blocked. So five shot attempts, none on goal. Well, this is what happened at five on five with Bouchard on the ice. The Oilers had 25 shot attempts to only 18 by Vegas. That's a nice margin of uh, 58%. Uh, and yet shots on goal, only six for Edmonton, 12 for Vegas, and uh, zero to one on the actual goals because he was among those on the ice for the for the one-one goal late in the first. And it's just such a strange, like, 25 shot attempts, but only six on net. And Vegas had 18, but 12 of their 18 were on net, meaning the, the shots they did get were not being as well defended as the ones that Edmonton were trying to get. And it was, I mean, I don't want to dump all over Evan Bouchard. I'm just saying it wasn't his best game. And he was a little, just to my eye, sluggish and indecisive when he did have the puck and Vegas was all over. Anybody who hesitated in this game was lost. And I, I, from my viewpoint, Vegas did a hell of a job defending him. They were yes. very aware yep. of Evan Bouchard. They were, they didn't want him to shoot, and they took away his shot, and did a great job doing that. So you know, he got bested in the battle. So it's fair to criticize him, but. Also, credit to Vegas for oh, yeah. being so aware and so aggressive on him. Oh, the, the defensive game Vegas played tonight was first rate. They had guys, defensemen, forwards, were, you know, like I say, there was a stick in the lane always. And there were just a couple of times where I thought, just do something crisp and it might work. But if you stop and you wait and you look around, forget it. Um, Wound up forgetting it quite a few times. <laughs> My number, Bruce, is eight. 
Connor McDavid led the orders with eight shots. Um, he just had two missed shots, so not bad. I mean, he he scored the goal. He put one off the crossbar when he came in and made that now kind of patented move where he goes for the high corner, and he almost put it in there. Uh, three of his shots were grade A shots. He was flying tonight and um, could have easily had a few more scoring plays. So uh, I just thought uh, he really came to play and and uh, had a fantastic game. And um, uh, that's that's uh, all I got to say about that. Conundrum time, Bruce. McDavid was good. You got a conundrum? Do I, oh, do I have a conundrum? Uh, so their next game's Friday, right? Right, Friday. Yep, yeah, they have. Here's my conundrum. They have uh, from Friday until Thursday, April 18th. There's exactly 10 weeks left in the season. And in that span, Edmonton has 36 games in the last 70 days after having only 46 games in the first 120 days. So it's a really backloaded schedule. You'll have noticed Edmonton's played fewer games than any other team in the NHL at this point. And so they have all these games in hand, which is nice in theory and nice when you look at the percentages, but you actually have to play those games. And uh, more I think about games in hand, I, I think the lion's share of them actually get played by the backup goalie because when you're catching up games, that's, that's how you roll, right? You, you play back-to-back, you catch up one game, and guess what? Your backup goalie is playing that game. And that's what they got coming up this weekend, the first of what are eight remaining back-to-backs. So uh, so my conundrum is, what do you do with the goaltending? Do you, how many games do you want Skinner starting in the last 10 weeks of the season? And never mind how many out of the 36. How many do you want him to play in 10 weeks? Two a week? If you I, do, Bruce, that's 20 to 16. You know, it's not much it's, of a difference. It's all about the playoffs. You don't mm-hmm. worry where you fit in the regular season. You're going to have every series, series is tough in the NHL playoffs. So <clears throat> you can't worry about it too much. You just got to do what's right for the playoffs. And so you have to figure, you got to know your goalie, how much rest does Stuart Skinner need? And you prob- you also have to make a decision before the trade deadline on another goalie. So I say yeah. you go heavy with Calvin Pickard early on here. Mm-hmm. Um, play him more than you might otherwise play him. See what you have. See if in the playoffs you're going to be able to trust him in net to be your goalie. And if not, then you have to make a move. You need to know that now. You need to know that in the next mm-hmm. month. So um, – to me, the conundrum has a fairly simple solution, which I'm sure they won't take, which is to play Calvin Pickard more than is expected, mm-hmm. and um, see what you got. See what you got, and uh, yeah, just put him in net. See if he can mm-hmm. play. This is a good Oilers team. They defend well. Um, if he can't play with this team right now, you're going to have to make a move, because in the playoffs, you're probably going to need your backup goalie to win a game, a really big game, at some point. This has been the, you know, you did a recent post on just how voodoo the playoffs have been. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know um, which team is going to get that fantastic goaltending. You know, the team that wins is likely 
it's very rare for the team that wins not to get it. I mean, Colorado won it without fantastic goaltending, but you're going to need, you're probably going to need that kind of goaltending to win the Stanley Cup. And I think Edmonton will need it to win the Stanley Cup. And Stuart Skinner, we're starting to see he can provide that, but maybe he's going to need a break or a rest or a ch- there's there's going to be a change needed. So yeah, go with Pickard now and um, get your answer. And then you don't, then you know. So. Uh, well, at this point last year, I'm pretty sure Vegas had no idea that Aiden Hill was a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender. He played all of 18 games for Vegas as of uh, uh, February 6th of a year ago. And then from February 7th to the end of the year, he was uh, uh, 929 save percentage, but he got hurt in March, didn't play until again until May in the Edmonton series. And so there's, you know, who, who saw that coming? You know, they lost their number one for the whole season. They lost their number two late in the regular season. They lost their number three early in the playoffs, and their number four came in and was lights out. So, well, the goal, the, the, here's the save percentage of the Vegas goalies last year in the regular season. Laurent Bossois, 927, Aiden Hill, 915, uh, Yuri Patera, 929, and just two games. Logan Thompson, 915, and the one goalie who didn't get it done, Jonathan Quick, 901. It strikes me if you have a team that really plays aggressive, sound um, defense, mm-hmm. that Lots of goalies can have some success, and I and I think the owners are are approaching that. Yeah. And what we've seen is that is Skinner and Pickard both playing really well, but the the team really playing well, cranking it up significantly in terms of their defensive play. So maybe it's not going to be a problem. Maybe if the owners keep up this defensive intensity and these defensive habits, um, yeah. Bruce, I have a second. We got I, we're going to have a bonus conundrum because I did oh, think okay. of one. Okay. Is this is this loss? a blessing in disguise in that the whole focus of this team, if, if they keep winning, there might've been pressure just to keep pushing the wins, push like pushing it, pushing it, pushing it where the winning streak becomes the thing becomes this huge focus of your season when it shouldn't be, when it's not that, when it's ultimately not important, ultimately the playoffs are important. This gives the orders a little more fuel against Vegas. They're going to be mad about losing this game. They're going to be frustrated about losing to Vegas um, they the focus has is on the playoffs anyway. What does it matter? So this gives you a little bit more impetus if it, if you needed any. In, in in terms of beating Vegas in the playoffs, you're not going to be in any way complacent against this team. You know exactly what you're up against. You know now you know just how close these games are be going to be. It's another reminder of that. So ultimately, it doesn't it doesn't it's it might even be a good thing that that the winning streaks off the table now and you just focus completely on the playoffs on getting ready for the playoffs as opposed to any kind of distraction which i think a winning streak can can uh, can create yeah well they're already um, <clears throat> there's a pretty strong possibility that tonight was a playoff preview yeah right with vegas sitting well 647 to 641 by percentage with la back at 583 Vancouver way out of top at 7:30, and the one thing you do know going into the playoffs is that two plays three. Yeah, you don't know who one plays. It could be from your division, could be from the other division. 
it could be a fourth or even a fifth place team, but two plays three, and that's how they stand right now. Edmonton's three up on uh, L.A. with two games in hand, but that game on Saturday night looms as a pretty big one already. Uh, I agree, you don't want the winning streak to become like a total distraction. On the other hand, I, as an Oilers fan, want this losing streak to stop at one game, which hasn't happened all year that the Oilers have... Uh, have uh, stopped a losing streak after one game. They lost two in a row to start the season, and then they had two four-game losing streaks surrounding the one win in the Heritage Classic, and then they lost three straight uh, soon after Chris Knobloch became coach, and then they lost three straight between the eight-game winning streak and the 16-game winning streak, but in between they lost three in a row. So don't let that happen, boys. Yeah, that is a really good point, Bruce. Uh, I I wasn't aware that they had not just yeah, they they had so uh, long since they lost, but they've <clears> lost <throat> in bunches all year. Is when they have lost. So they play Anaheim next. They play Anaheim and then LA the next day. All right. Yeah, get back so, at it, and get back at it, and 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 don't I have, have a lockdown. I have a lot of confidence in this team. Like I I do think that their success was built on solid habits. And mm-hmm. I saw those habits tonight. I thought mm-hmm. they played a really sound defensive game. So I'm not, I, I just, this is, we're seeing something a little different from the Oilers in terms of their defensive structure, defensive play. So I think it'll, I think they're not going to lose that. And they're they're starting to take pride in it. I think it's starting to become a, they're part of their team identity. And um, fingers crossed. Yep. Yeah, they played hard tonight. They just came out on the wrong side of the inch. The inch, old old soccer expression, the old uh, English uh-huh. commentator. Uh huh. Wrong side of the inch, like so close, but you know, didn't get the didn't get the bounce or the you know. I like end. that. It's just explained so much in sports, especially low scoring sports like hockey and and soccer, mm-hmm. right? Um, it often is just an inch here or an inch there, so that's how it works. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Or whatever fraction of an inch was between Evan Bouchard's shot hitting the post and going in the far side as opposed to going across the face of the other post. That was no inch. Yeah. Millimeter at most. Difference between where it hit the post. Or maybe if Evander Kane's great shot early in the third period, just as an inch higher, it goes above his pad or between his pads. Or mm-hmm. There's just all kinds of... Yeah. This is why we track grade A shots because we know this that the, the goals don't all, always tell the entire story they tell the story of the winning and the losing but in terms of the flow of play sometimes it's in, it, it's it's good to know um, and it's good to see over time for instance um, the grade A shots because they also are a big part of the story alright Bruce let's leave it there thanks for talking right. tonight back out on Saturday night thanks for listening everybody Friday night back thanks for listening everybody And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.